0: So here's the deal with with Christmas, and you kind of know me. I'll, I'll take things and go with it, and and we talk about the wise men, and we we you know we've always known Jesus was not born on the 25th of December. That was the day the wise men finally got to Jesus a year and a half later and celebrated gifts with him. And and so last week we talked about well, I'm not going to tell you because you should have been here, but AJ kind of talked about it, and so. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. The wise men, and there are more than three, I'll assure you, could have been 3,000. We only have mention of three gifts, but the question is at that time of the world where there's banditos everywhere, would would they carry a king's ransom around? But we're not going to speculate or argue with that. I don't speculate or argue on speculation because we don't know, okay? We know one thing, they brought three gifts. So these wise men, they traveled about 700 miles when they saw the star. At that moment, they knew the star. They had information, and and we, we talked about this. It's amazing that these men traveled 700 miles on information that someone told them until they reached the Christ, and when they finally got to the Christ and gave them gifts, God began to speak to them. It's amazing that you can be chasing stars everywhere in the heavens, but if you'll ever develop a lifestyle of worship or giving to God, God will begin to speak to you. It's amazing. So now then, after traveling about 1,400 months, 1,400, 14 months, and so they, they, they go where they're supposed to go. So they go to the head guy in Jerusalem, to Herod, and said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star... And we have come to worship him. Say this, we've come to worship him. So you you have to connect the das, tra-la-la-la, with worship and giving. You cannot worship God and not give to God. You can can deceive yourself into you-know-where, but worship and giving are connected. So don't tell me that you're worshiping God and you're not giving to God, because it doesn't work that way. So we've come to worship him and they come to worship him not only in a sense of of adoration, but they come to worship him giving gifts. All right? So can we all agree that the three wise men or the wise men came to worship him? I'm going somewhere with this so you might as well wake up. All right? We can agree that. Now then, go to verse eight. So we as the wise men, we are on a mission. This is my mission in this life and the mission of his life is to worship Christ. That's my mission. I'm going to give my life to him. I'm going to give my finances to him. I'm going to give my resources. I'm going to give my talents and whatever I have to offer. He is worthy of my worship. Period. And if you don't worship him, then, you, then your assumption or your, 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 your degree of God is, is lesser than it should be because he deserves it all. Not these goofballs on television. It's King Jesus. All right. So now then. So Herod sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when they found it, that, remember, the shepherds found the babe, Nepios. Now then, they're looking for a young child, prepadeon, which is about 14 to 16 months. So he's figured on the calendar because he's got some smart people with him and said, well, if they saw in the east, he's about 14 months old. So that's why he calls a young child. He's not looking for a baby in a manger. They're looking for a, a prepadion, 14 to 16 months old. And when you have found him, which is who? Jesus. Bring me word again that I may come and worship him also, now, now, before we answer this, I'm going to give you the answer. The answer is no, okay? Did Herod really want to worship Jesus? No. Y'all are so smart. Thank you. I want to so make sure that my worship to Christ is right. Because evidently, it's possible to get it wrong. I want to make sure for Mr. Jody Ham, that my worship to Christ is right because evidently it's possible to get it wrong. Did Herod really want to worship Jesus? He said he did. How many people falls into this church and I'm here to worship? Did Herod really want to give to God or was his motive to take from God? Just like people that falls into this church house on Sundays. You should never, ever come to this church expecting to take something. If you come to church and leave here and say something idiotic like this, I didn't get anything out of it. He wasn't supposed to. Now, I understand there's some French benefits and not French benefits because I can't speak French, but I understand what I just said to you. Somebody said, well, I didn't get nothing out of it. You were not supposed to Gooberhead. head. You were supposed to bring something to it. Right. Right. Good. Good word. The reason why you're messed up, turn to somebody and say, Hey, wake up. He's talking to you. <laughs> the reason why you're absolutely messed up in the head is because you come in here expecting to receive something from God because every goofball on television said, if you'll do this, you'll receive something from God. We have no promise of any of that outside of, of manipulating certain scriptures. I'm here to tell you right now, this service, these yellow walls, this, this building was constructed that we may come in and worship King Christ whether you get anything out of it in return, whether he does not heal your body, he gives you a raise on your finances, or anything like that, whether you get nothing in return, if he chooses not to heal my body from this day forward, he's given me more than I deserve. So what if I put up a big old sign and say, here, come to church, but you're probably not going to get anything from God. I wonder how many people would show up. No Herod's would, but wise men would. And I've had people thought, oh, if I'm just going to come to church and, and maybe get my marriage hooked back together or make her, her fall back in love with me. And I'm, you know, God, it reads our hearts and minds. So if, if you're planning that goofball scheme, it ain't working. Wise men still worship God. Their whole pursuit They didn't bring gifts to Jesus and say, okay, now what's in it for me, buddy? We have no record of that. What did they do? They bear the gifts. They worship the Christ. They worship the Christ where they're giving. And and their whole motive is to give to God. Now, I'm not going to talk about money. So just go ahead and take a deep breath. I'm not getting the money. I don't talk about money. I shouldn't have to talk about money. If your heart's right, you're going to give. Whether it be your time or your talent or your finances or or whatever it is. If your heart's right, you don't want to give to God. So I'm not going to waste my time on people that is in the business of of taking from God. And make no mistake about it. This church included, especially this church, that when Christ is revealed in a setting, two types of people will show up. Number one, people that want to give to God and people that want to disrupt. Wow, that's better than you're responding. (laughs) I can prove it. When Christ is revealed to the earth, two types of people came forth. One said, we're looking for the king that we may glorify him. We have something for him. We've been saving pennies for 700 years, according to Daniel. And the other one says, we heard there's a king. And I want to disrupt and I want to distract and I want to destroy anything that he has set in motion that would impose upon my kingship. When Christ is revealed in a church service, two types of people will show up. Number one, people that will want to give and honor God and people that want to stir up a stink. Make no mistake about it. Heritage are on the loose today. In churches, that's right. where they behave, gossip, jealousy, whatever it may be, they don't want to worship the king. All they're here to do is cause trouble. So Harris said, I'd like to know too, where is there, there's demons, and I'm not going to talk about demons, but there's demons making plans. When Christ is being glorified and lifted up in the church, I'll tell you, that's where hell likes to send its little demons. Oh yeah, we're coming to worship, really? Oh yeah, we, we love to worship, Really? And when I get through worship, I want to tell you what the pastor did last week. That's what Harrods do. Heres never surrender and never submit to the authority of God's word. Heres always want to distract and deter and devour people that come to honor Christ. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not inciting anything against anybody here, of course. It's the people that are not here, but... But make no mistake about it, when Christ is in a church service, there are two types of people. Number one, the wise men that come to, here it is. This is all I have. I can only play 44 keys on the 88K piano, but I give you my best. All I got. I'm not the best. I don't even claim to be good, but it's all I got to give you. And it's the other one that says, I want something from God. I, I, I want to be healed. I want to be rich. I want to be famous and all this stuff. And you're a Herod by spirit. Your heart's not right. Period. And I hope before this service is over, you'll make it right. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, we talked about. So we have, we have the very first person that got worship right. So God doesn't expect us to get it right without a prequel or someone to be the model. So he gives us a model in the Bible. And so this is Hebrews chapter number 4, 11 and 4. It says, by faith, Abel offered unto God or worshiped God with a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. So the idea this morning is is that we have a prototype of someone that got it right. Because evidently, as I said, all through scripture, there's a lot of people that got it wrong. And and, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. I don't care what church background you come from. Here's the deal. Don't ever say that God will accept any type of worship from any type of denomination or any type of a religious movement because you're being deceived. He doesn't. The Bible is very clear about this, and you're going to say, "Well, well, you're a, you're arrogant and egotistical." I'm not. I understand what the Scripture says, and so we have to understand that it's possible to get worship wrong, whether it be a motive or or leftovers. Cain gave God his. Leftovers. We'll deal with him next week. The, the crowd will be light. So we'll talk about Abel today. So Abel was the perfect model on how to worship God. I know that you would never say this, but I've said it a billion times, am what I'm doing right? How do I know that it's right? How do I know? Because there's places and facilities all over the world that are supposedly doing the same thing in their own rightness But this is where we have to understand that the scriptures, the word of God, it is incapable of error and it is through the word of God that we learn what God likes and what God dislikes. And we ask the question then, so how did Abel offer God with a more excellent or the right offering? And the answer is by faith. We have to understand that that Cain offered God a worship. But was it accepted? No. And we'll tell you why next week. But Abel got it right. Because Abel offered it by faith. And faith is not simply a feeling of just having confident expectations because Cain had all that. And for you that are in the beginner primary stages of faith thinking that it's some type of confident expectation, you're really unskilled in Scripture. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet seen. Hupostasis is the word faith is this bulldog bite that I'm confident in God. And no matter what I face and what I go through, God will not let go of his commitment towards me in my life. And that's really what it means. Pistis, one step in front of the other. Good days, bad days, it doesn't matter. Faith is the foundation that we live our life on. Not that we can have things that go our way or becomes better. It means that God is with us wherever we go. So this is what faith is. If Abel worshiped God by faith and it was accepted and Cain worshiped God and it was rejected, then I think it's pretty important that I come to this resolve this morning. It's possible that maybe our worship can be wrong. Wow. I didn't say you was at the wrong church. You're at the right church. Turn to somebody, you're at the right church. it? Number one, three things: hearing God's word. Romans 10:17, "Faith comes by hearing and hearing." It's a Greek word. It's an infinite word in the Greek. It means hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. This is what I do every Sunday for hours. I give you the Word of God. No poems, no short stories. a few short stories. But I'm going to give you the Word of God because the Word of God produces faith. Now, there's something I want to say. How many believes that the scripture is true, that hearing God's word produces faith? Amen. Okay. So if, if the scriptures are God's word, and it is, then if the scriptures are God's word, then isn't that seem to be the language whereby God speaks to us? So let me back that up for some of you that went to school south of Wilson. If, if the scriptures are God's language, so how, how does God speak to us? Now don't say that he speaks to us after I ate a, a pot of beans and a whole pizza one night. That's not what I'm asking you. That was gas, not God. Let, let's, let's start all over for you beginners. How does God speak to us biblically the Bible says that God speaks to us through his word. Through his word. So the scripture seems to be the language that God uses. And if scriptures is the language that God uses, now listen to me, then why in the wide world of sports are we not learning the language that God speaks to us? Not you, of course, but I can't tell you the amount of people that are is every brain donkey in the world that believes everybody that comes on television and writes a book and Pee-wee's big top playhouse, they'll believe them, but they only know about three verses of scripture and they say, oh yeah, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm gonna tell you right now, I doubt it. Well, the Lord told me, well, oh, really, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, the Lord told me this, really? Yeah, he told me this, that he's going to do that, and he's going to buy me a car and build me a house, and, and I would say something, like, well, good for you. You go to church? No, but the Lord told me that. I going to tell you right now, you've lost your mind. He didn't. I'll tell you that. If God, now I know some of you are Pentecostal, and I'm trying to get you through therapy of this, and I I understand. I I, I was that way myself, but don't you see if language, if the scriptures is the language that God speaks, then why aren't we learning his language? And somebody said, well, I heard the spirit. The spirit does never contradict the word of God. Never. And so the problem with you is some of you don't know what the word of God says, but you you think you know what the spirit says. So you say something and you know what you do when you raise kids. Anybody besides me raise kids? And this is the truth. I'll, I'll tell you. We was in the city one time, the little city of God church. And, 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 and Jeremy was about that. he's not here today. He's working. He'll be here next week. He was about six. And Jeremy, he, he, never, he never let facts get in the way of a good story. Never. He still didn't. And he was in Royal Rangers. And he was about six. And Galen and I, it was on Wednesday night, we were over in that little, little shotgun church over there. And the church was started. And they had quite a few Royal Ranger boys and, and so uh, evidently, they were taking prayer requests in Royal Rangers. He's probably six, seven, I don't know. And so this is the story. So anyway, one of the right there in the church service, one of the Royal Ranger leaders come busting the back door. And I thought, well, that's weird. And Galen's kind of poking me, and he's looking around, and he's looking around, and you know, there's probably 50 in there. He's looking around, and, and finally he spotted me and Galen and he kind of looked at us, and I thought, jeremys he's burnt the building down. I didn't know what he did. I knew he was involved in something. Anybody have a child like that, huh? Ron Edge, yes, I understand. And so after church, Larry Powers, which was the Royal Ranger leader, kind to of us laugh, and he said, we were taking prayer requests. And somebody's parent was sick. Somebody's grandpa was in the hospital about to die. And Jeremy says, I want you to pray for my daddy. He said, "My daddy, uh, you know, he's staggering through this conversation." He said, "Uh, "My daddy got on my bicycle and he rode it in the road, and and a truck hit him and killed him." (laughs) Well, I know for a fact that didn't happen. So, you know, Larry came running over to make sure I wasn't dead or whatever. What I'm telling you is, ladies and gentlemen, here's the truth. The language that God speaks to his people, make no mistake about it. If if you want to go on a medium hunt, go after it. I don't care. I'll be right here preaching the word of God. The language of God that he speaks is his divine word. And it would make sense to us that if you want to hear God's language, Study his word. And the more you know of his word is the more the language that you will know. It's one thing for you to repeat what somebody says and not know the language. You're coming in here and this is your problem. You're trying to replay and repeat something from somebody that you don't know what it means But you're repeating, oh yeah, this word and that prophecy and that word and that's what we're going to do about that long hair and that bun on your head. But you have no idea about the language. You don't speak the language of God. You're just repeating it. (coughs) English is so easy for me to speak because I know it. And all I'm trying to tell you is this. If the language of God is his divine scriptures, then it is so important that you sit down and ring the bell and come out of recess and read his word. And as you begin to understand the language of God, you'll begin to understand that not everything has to go our way. Number two, faith is submitting our minds and our bodies to the words that we read. So, faith is hearing the Word of God, understanding the language of God. Harmelo just said something, and some of you say, What he's saying? I understand. It meant something to him. Number two, and once you begin to understand the Word of God and the language of God, then you begin to submit to that. You begin to submit your mind and your bodies to that Word. And number three, and now then you begin to act in accordance to what the instructions of the Word of God. That's faith. If you want to know real faith, it's not not a new Cadillac, it's not a new airplane, it's not none of those things. It's not calling those things in existence. I know Romans 4 and 17 is dealing with Abraham. It was about a son, so don't, don't take it and run with it. Oh, I'm going to call these things in existence. I'm going to call that when I get home, I'll have a new Cadillac. Well, go ahead and do that, but you'll still probably ride your bicycle back and forth. I understand I'm not making light of the word of God because someone will say, well, you didn't pray enough. My goodness, we dealt with this last week. Faith in God, it means that my whole life is submitted to him and he knows what I need. He knows what I need better than what I think I need. And I understand the language of God. And now then I'm not going to bite against God. I'm not going to rail against God. I'm going to spend my whole life worshiping God I'm, I'm not going to be discontented in my life. God knows what I need. He knows when I need it and I trust him. I'm going to submit my mind and my body to him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to act according to what his word is required for me to do in my life. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be reliable. I'll be dependable and I'll honor him the days of my life. And if that doesn't meet your standard, you go live your life and I'll live mine. But I'm going to honor God my whole life. That's faith. So here's some fun facts concerning Abel before we go home. Abel was the fourth human being on planet earth. We've got mom and dad. We got the older brother Cain and we have Abel. Number two, he was born and raised outside of the garden in Eden. Now stop right there. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. Evidently Abel got it right. Cain got it wrong. If you'll show up next week, I'll open your eyes to a lot of things. But Abel got it right. And you can get it right. You can get it right if you'll pay attention for the next seven minutes. He was the fourth person born on planet Earth. Number two, he was born and raised outside the Garden of Eden. Number three, he was a sinner. And number four, he was the first to worship God by faith. Now, the reason why that I say that is because Hebrews tells you that he worshiped God with a more excellent sacrifice than his brother. And how did he do it? By faith. So I'm going to talk slow. Second Corinthians five and seven says this for we. Walk, potato is a word. It means our lifestyle. Perish in circle. And pateo means the dance. But we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. For we live our lifestyle by faith, not by sight. Or the Greek word is a word for senses. So let's get it right. My whole life, peripeteo, revolves around faith in God, not my senses, not what I see, not what I hear, not what I taste, not what I touch, not what I smell. If you're not careful, the churches today are teaching you about senses, and I'm telling you, that's why it's setting you up for failure, because if you don't feel right, if it don't smell right, if it don't taste right to your taste and your touch and, and, you, and what you think, then you've already discarded everything what God is doing. And I'm telling you, you've got to get this through your head. Our walk with God, our lifestyle with God has nothing to do with what you see, smell, taste, touch or hear pleasing to your flesh. So let's go back to Abel. Abel was the first man to live by faith. So why does it throw in that we walk by faith and not by sight? Because watch this. Good old mom and dad did not walk with God by faith. They walked with God by sight. You didn't have to convince Adam and Eve that God was real. (laughs) You didn't have to convince and work up the music to convince Adam and Eve that the presence of God made you feel this wonderful warmth because they walked with God in the garden. They walked with God by sight. They communicated with God. They talked to God. They saw God. They felt God. These two did not have to walk with God by faith, they had the opportunity to walk with God by sight or senses. Abel, unfortunately, was kicked out of the Club Med Garden of Eden and the days of walking with God by sight, touch, smell, and hearing was over. Embrace yourself for this one. Abel had to trust the instructions of what God required by people who failed him Miserably. Wow. So here we are. I'm not, I'm not saying that your mother and father set a bad example to you in church. All I'm saying is probably your mother and father set a bad example to you in church. Here's one. And you're not so hot yourself. <laughs> and so Adam, like every day, starts the lecture. what you boys need to do. And, and one of them said, uh, excuse me. And remind me again, how come we're six inches on the Garden of Eden and not inside Eden? And, and every godly man would say the same thing. Well, it was your mother's fault. That's what he would say. <laughs> Did you know that it's really hard to take biblical instructions, that even though that is truth, from somebody who has failed miserably? And this is what I say to you. And Don Dixon said it wonderful. Here's the deal. I'm not the guy. I'm not the light. I'm not the message. I'm not him. I'm not the example and the icon of something that you should pattern your life around. I'm just, I'm just a messenger of the message. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a vessel to the light. That's all we are. This is not about me and you getting it right and getting it perfect because we'll never get it right and we'll never give it perfect. But there's one that is perfect. And I'm going to spend my 45 minutes on every Sunday morning talking about how wonderful Christ is. Because I'm going to get prophecies wrong. I'm going to lose my temper. I'm going to get short-winded with somebody. And you say, well, see there, you can't live it. Hey, here's here's an eye-opener. I can't live it. (laughs) But I'll tell you one thing, that even though that we stumble and fail as parents, And we don't get it right all the time. It doesn't negate the truth of the word of God that has the power to change lives. And one of the hardest things we're able to do was swallow and get past that mom and dad blew it. So if your mother and dad didn't get it right, If your mother and dad abused you while you grew up in church, if your mother and dad pulled some stupid stuff while taking you to Sunday school and church, I got three words, get over it. You've wasted years blaming for someone that you're probably doing the same thing and you don't even realize it. You say, well, I wouldn't do that. No, but you go home and scream at your kids. Kick the cat. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, I mean, So the last thing Abel had to get past of what mom and dad miserably failed while they were preaching the gospel. Great leaders in the church that have failed. Okay. But that doesn't mean God failed. A.J. Carroll, we read in the papers what he did last week, but you know what? God's never disappointed me. So what happens is, even on a human level, it's hard to receive instructions from somebody that probably goofed up. But if it is the word of God, then that's the language that God is going to use to help change your life. And I'm not telling you to go back into these people and pattern your life. I'm just here to tell you that the word of God is truth. We got to go. Now, I want to explain something to you right quick. I don't know, but Genesis chapter three, verse four, I want to clear up the mud here for you a little bit and we're going to go home, really, three minutes. Genesis chapter three, verse four. I want to show you something that's kind of important. And in the process of time that it came to pass, that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground of the offering to the Lord. It's dealing with Cain and Abel in the process of time. This word process of time is a Hebrew word that means many years. Some say over a hundred. These boys could have been a hundred years old. Process of time. And what I like about the scriptures, it puts things in there so specifically for us. So when you get the idea about Cain and Abel, you're you're thinking they're they're six-year-olds, they're seven-year-olds, they're nine-year-olds, and and, and they're getting it wrong. You're talking about boys between 80 and 100 years old that had been offering sacrifices to God. And not only that, but they had been receiving instructions from their parents for almost 100 years. Now then... Now that it, it changes, it changes everything. We go from a 12 year old that really doesn't have the ability to worship God to a man that's between 75, and 100 years. Now then, Cain just doesn't want to, he knows better. He's been taught better and he's been doing this for hundred years or 75 years. But through the process of time, the Bible says, Cain said, you know, I've had enough of this. And I'm sick of my brother and I'm sick of this whole thing. And so next week, if you'll come back, we'll talk about this. So Abel, what happens is through the years, year after year, after year, after year, after year, that he's been taught how to worship God. He was educated in where to worship. He was educated on how to worship. He was educated. We got to go hit the music and why to worship For almost 100 years, and that's why Hebrew says he's offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain because he's been doing this for many years. That's what I'm trying to do to you. I'm trying to educate you to where to worship. It's not just a building, but where you worship is right here in your heart. That's where worship comes from. How to worship. How to worship is very easy. It's just giving God your very best. And number three, why we worship? Because he's worthy. Abel was God's model to a bigger picture. When it says he offered a more sacrifice that was excellent, it's 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 a Greek word for better. It means it's something bigger on a bigger scale. So let me say that slowly. When Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice, Abel was the model of God's bigger picture plan. As a matter of fact, we're not going to talk about it, but that verse will tell you, and even though he's dead, it still speaks today. What Abel did is still speaking today. But it's speaking on a bigger level is speaking in a bigger picture and they're all scratching their heads when Paul writes this. So let me, let me tell you how this ends. Genesis chapter four, dealing with Abel near the garden, there was one lamb per person. That's what Abel did. In Exodus 12 at the Passover, now then we have one lamb per household. see it's getting bigger in the Old Testament the day of atonement it's one lamb per nation it's getting bigger and today there's one lamb Jesus Christ for the entire world You see what Abel did that night by faith. It was a more excellent sacrifice not in the contents of it which it was but God said it's a bigger plan. It's a bigger picture. It's going to start with Abel. It's one lamb per person but before long it's going to go one lamb per nation or one household. Then it'll go from one lamb per nation and before long when my son comes it'll be one lamb for the entire world. Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that has the ability and the power to save mankind. So what's my response? By faith, I accept it. I quit working for it. So this morning, I really want to be a wise man and I want to continue to worship God. I don't want to carry the spirit of Herod to come into a church where Jesus is alive and stir up and disrupt and deter and distract. That's only Herod. Look past me. Get past my imperfections, would you? We have a wonderful body of believers that have sold out to Christ. Can you just get past us? The the styles of music and the colors of the wall, can you get past that and see what this thing is about? This thing is about Jesus Christ, our King. And you won't find a better church to go to that we are all in love, not only with God, but we love one another. Well, I can't go there because I think he stuck his tongue at me. Oh, good Lord. So by faith this morning, we continue to, to worship Christ. Father, today from the bottom of our heart. If there's one thing that we know for sure, something has happened in our life. We know this for sure. We may not can legibly put it on paper. We not use great vernacular to describe it, but I know one thing, I'm not the person that I used to be. I know that for a fact. You sent your son, one lamb, for the whole world of whosoever will. And that whosoever will was me. And Father, this morning we continue to pursue the Christ and we wanna honor him and we wanna worship him. And this morning, let one thing said that we come to this place of service, not to take home anything we only come to bring you our gifts. And we share gifts with one another, but our whole focus this morning is to honor you as Lord of our life. Thank you. If you never heal my body again, you've done enough. If you never give us another dime pay raise in our paycheck, you've done enough. You've done for me more than I've ever deserved. Giving me salvation is more than I ever, ever could deserve. You've done enough for me. And I want to spend along with these people the rest of my life just simply honoring you. Let us spend the rest of our days that way. And let it be said of us this morning without making light of the scriptures about Abel, let it be said of us that we worship God by faith. And it pleased you. We give you thanks this morning in Christ's name. And all the people of God say amen. amen. If you love the Lord this morning, stand and give the Lord a praise offering. The Lord is worthy to be praised today, huh? I hope you didn't come here this morning to take home something, because you're going to be disappointed. But I certainly hope you came this morning to bring something. Communion service, if you'll please come today, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion as we do every Sunday. Father, you are our king. Are you willing to lay it down today? Are you still have the genes of old king Herod running somewhere in your body? that night he sat with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup the last two things that we've been instructed on is here this is it forget all the miracles there was there was no there was no lessons on how to perform miracles he didn't give them a crash course in in gifts of the spirit nothing this is it the cup and the bread and being the last words out of a man's mouth in instructions i think it's very important He said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this Passover with the unleavened bread. John 6 says that your father's manna rained down from heaven, and your fathers did eat, but they hungered. But Jesus said, my father has sent me down as the bread of life, and if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. I am the bread. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the, the lamb's blood that they would take. They would take the lamb's blood and place it in the shape of a cross over the doorpost. And when the death angel, the Abaddon would cross over, it would pass over the blood. And Jesus said, I am the lamb of God, which now takes away the sins of the world. And my father will take my blood and in the shape of a cross, If any man believeth in me, he will never perish, but have everlasting life. That is the word of the Lord. So by faith this morning, we celebrate the bread and the cup. It's a reminder of the Lord's body and it's a reminder of the shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And the greatest thing that we can do this morning as a church and personally is worship the Lord and say, thank you. I accept it. Father, bless this cup. Bless this bread. And let it find life and health to those who partake of it. In Jesus' name. Amen.